You're listening to Sustainably Geeky, the podcast for everyday environmentalists. Hi, you're listening to Sustainably Geeky, episode 48. I am here today with Garrett Kimbaugh. He is the founder of EcoStylist, and we're going to be revisiting a topic we talked about actually um, exactly two years ago last month, um, which is fast fashion. Um, I figure this is a topic that, um, you know, never really goes out of style, pun intended, and um, it's something that's worth repeat conversations. So um, Garrick's here to kind of share his insight. And um, Garrick, thank you for being on the show. Um, can you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and, um, you know, what sustainability means to you? Yeah. Hey, Jennifer, th- thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm Garrick, the founder of EcoStyles, as you mentioned. Uh, I started EcoStylist three and a half plus years ago. Um, so I've been doing this, you know, ever since then. And prior to that, I, you know, I worked in some different areas trying to figure out, you know, kind of what it was that I wanted to do in my career. And and I was in business school, actually, when I kind of started the the inkling of what became EcoStylist. And uh, yeah, so EcoStylist is a resource for ethical fashion. And so we help people, you know, um, make better choices in their closet, basically, like if they want to stop shopping fast fashion and they want, you know, to find alternatives to fast fashion brands um, and things like that. Uh, we research brands, the primary thing we do. And so we have a directory of, you know, vetted uh, sustainable brands that people can shop instead that are better for people in the environment. Um, and so, yeah, basically, and then we have like a blog and everything. So basically, yeah, basically, we're just trying to help people make better choices, more sustainable choices uh, in their closets. Yeah, that's that's a great mission. Um, can you kind of explain to our listeners what the difference is between fast fashion and sustainable fashion? Um, because I know fast fashion is a term that's getting used a lot more these days, but um, a lot of people may not be familiar with it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And kind of like you mentioned, unfortunately, fast fashion is kind of always on trend. So if we look at the update of like where fast fashion is, you know, a couple years later, um, it's not where I would like it to be, right? Like I would have liked to have seen it been more on the decline, um, but it's actually not true. You know, in 2022, um, fast fashion is actually still growing as a segment. And that's because we've seen the new evolution we've seen in fast fashion is like what's cons- what the people are calling ultra fast fashion, which is like Shein. And that's like, um, so, you know, so for people who, yeah, so people who aren't familiar, fast fashion is a business model that was pioneered by Zara that basically took like, what used to be the fashion industry business norm, which was like having two seasons a year, right, for a fashion brand. And they brought out this like fast model where they could drop collections a lot more frequently. And and what that eventually meant was about once a week, these brands were dropping new collections of clothes, uh, which you, as you can imagine, like that's the environmental impact of that increased production is is significant. You know, I was re- looking at a report recently that was estimating the the impact of um, like a fast fashion piece versus a non-fast fashion piece is like four times because, you know, because it's made cheaply and then it doesn't last as long and it's not being kept as long and then it's ending up, right? And so when you when you look at like the greenhouse gas, you know, emission of it, it's like about four times as much. So it's, it's actually just like really bad for um, our planet. And then these ultra fast fashion brands, which is like the new thing that's growing, um, like Shein is a, is a Chinese-based brand that drops like, they add like 6,000 styles to their website a day. It's it's So it's a level, it's like what, what Zara and H&M were doing, they were like, oh, we can do that better, um, but it's not, you know, better for who, right, uh, is, is the question that we should be asking. And yeah, and then sustainable fashion is kind of, is really 
what I consider to be a movement against that, really. Um, but basically, sustainable fashion is, you know, a host of choices that you can make as an individual to have a more sustainable closet, right? So that's everything from like wearing what we have, right? Um, which is like, because obviously that's, you know, there's such this pressure on us to buy new things and it's not, we don't really need to do that. So like for like wearing what we have, like outfit repeating, which can be radical, you know, in, in this age when people won't be seen twice on Instagram with the same outfit. So like outfit repeating and being proud of that, um, you know, repairing what you have, uh, and then there's like a host of more sustainable choices. So yeah, so like part of the buying journey being when you're buying new, it's like, can you support a more ethical and sustainable brand? Um, do you want, can you buy used, right? Can you thrift, can you swap? Um, and then there's also activism too, you know, it's like, can you, do you want like, you know, and it's kind of like there's a host of choices people can make depending on their interests, right? Like they could help remake or fashion revolution with like petitions and stuff. And so, yeah, so really it's just like a host of choices um, that are that are better than fast fashion. Yeah, fast fashion is really, um, like you said, kind of a relatively new phenomena, I think. Um, but it now it just feels like the norm, it, you know, always seeing something new in the store. Um, but it, it really is kind of a symptom of this uh, capitalist push for constant growth and more, 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 right? And and planned obsolescence, you know, it's, it's a great um, example of planned obsolescence because it's um, it's they're designed to wear out quickly the clothes or, you know, they're designed to go out of fashion and you want something new. So it's it's really interesting how quickly it's taken off and how pervasive it is, despite the fact that we kind of know the environmental and social and ethical problems associated with it. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think and the appeal is obvious, right? It's like, I don't, you know, and it's like, I should say this too, because I think this is the case for most people who are in sustainable fashion. It's like most of us have shopped fast fashion at some point in our lives, right? So it's not like, it's not like something that people are um, excluded from, you know, like I made that mistake uh, when I was first, when I first got interested in fashion, that was like the logical thing to do is like, you know, go to H&M H &M and buy clothes because it seemed, you know, I didn't know any better then. And um, and it's like the appeal is obvious because they're, you know, what they claim they're doing, right? And this is like, well, all the CEOs of like every fast fashion house claim is that they're democratizing fashion, you know, they're making like these trends and styles cheaper for the everyday person is what they say. And it is really cheap price wise, right? But what we don't see like behind the scenes, like what, so that's really appealing, right? To, like, it's like, oh yeah, that, I want that. But then when you look behind the scenes, it's like, what are they actually doing, right? They're actually making the whole fashion industry like way less sustainable. You know, they're not paying their clothing makers fairly. So like it's cheap for who is the big question. Like you get a $10 shirt, but you know, how much did the clothing maker who made that make? Um, and then, you know, and then also when you look at these companies, they're making the people at the top, like ultra rich. So I think it, you know, I think if people knew that maybe it might help see the game a little bit differently. Like if you look at like the, who's the, who's in charge of Zara H and M, you know, she and like, these are like multimillionaire, often billionaires, you know, at the head of these heads of these companies. So it's like, not only are they, you know, extremely extractive, like exploiting our planet and people, but they're really just like machines to make the people at the top ultra rich. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, myself am guilty of, like you said, the, the fast fashion trap. Um, for, you know, when I was a lot younger, I loved Ross and TJ Maxx and Marshalls and stores like that. But I thought I had discovered like, you know, the, this holy grail that nobody knew about discount clothes. Oh, my God, like they're so cheap and there's so much of it and, and it's so cute. But then I started to realize, you know, you know, fast fashion is bad and this is part of it. And um, it's. In, in today, you know, I, my go-to is thrift shops and 
like you said, reusing or repairing if I can. But um, but yeah, it's so easy to, to just not even think about where your clothes come from and just look at the price tag and think, oh, this is really inexpensive. And um, it, it is cheap for a reason, though. I mean, half the stuff I got from there would tear or wear out or, you know, I just lost interest in it and I just donate it. And then, of course, that's a whole other problem. Um, I'm sure you can talk about, you know, <laughs> clothing and, and thrift shops and, and things like that. But um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's it, if people out there have participated in fast fashion or are currently doing it and new to the, the idea of slow fashion or sustainable fashion, um, don't feel bad because that's kind of what our society has set us up for. But now that you know better, you can kind of start to to do better, I guess. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think the number one thing that we kind of all can do as individuals is is in that space is just to slow down right like that's because i think that the, the this rate of consumption is like that's the biggest problem is the buy 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 and 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 that's created like a series of problems right like it's created problems of um from like yeah from like the clothes basically ending up in the trash overburdening the resources for used clothes right like goodwill in these places like it used to be you would think that was a good thing to do is like take your take your used clothes to goodwill but they're like they're, they're it's not and it's not a bad thing to do but they're so overburdened right like they get so many clothes they can only sell like 10 to 15 percent of them in store and the rest are going overseas and so at the end of the day like many of them are still ending up in the trash and so it's just like yeah the systems are overburdened and so like slowing down is the number one thing and if we do that it allows us to then look at all the other pieces too like mm -hmm. something really um that you hear a lot with sustainable fashion is people will, when they're comparing a piece to like a fast fashion piece, the most immediate and most common resistance is like, it's they'll say like, it's, it's expensive, it's more expensive than the fast fashion piece, right? But if like, if as a, if we're changing our habits and as a society we're slowing down, then that doesn't, that becomes less true and even not true, right? So, but, but it has to come with that slowing down, right? Cause it's like, if you're spending more per piece, but you're buying less often, you're buying exactly. higher quality stuff, stuff with like lifetime warranties. Yeah. Sorry, you want to, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I was just agreeing because, you know, I'm thinking of like a nice coat or a nice pair of shoes, you know, if you're, if you sink a lot more money into that, but it's going to last you years and years, maybe your whole life. Um, you know, that's a lot more affordable over the lifetime of that product than buying a new coat every you know year or less every six months or whatever, because it wears out and it breaks down. Exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. And there's, there's so many examples. Um, that I could think of. I mean, Patagonia is one that people know, but there's other brands, you know, that, that we've certified that have similar business models, but that would be a good one to think about where it's like, you know, you buy something from them, right? And they, they put a lifetime guarantee on it. And so let's say you have a jacket from them for like 10 years. And then, and then maybe when, maybe you want to like send it back to them to be, you know, cause like they have worn wear, right? So maybe at the end of its life, you don't want it anymore and you let them repair it and resell it right through their, so like, and it keeps it in the cycle. So like, I think if you, if you look at like a brand like that and, and the way a piece can last that long and have a journey like that, that's really, really different than yeah. um, what it, like H&M is doing. Well, and they're even encouraging people not to buy their things, right? They, they put an ad out one year that said in Black Friday that said, don't buy this jacket because you don't, you know, you probably don't need it, only buy it if you need it. So it's interesting when brands are recognizing that like, yeah, we have great products and if you need them, you should buy them, but don't buy it just because, you know, we're trying to make money or whatever. Um, so, okay. Yeah. So you mentioned H&M and my next question has to do with, with greenwashing and, and H&M is one of those brands that advertises, bring us your old clothes. We'll, we'll recycle them, upcycle them, whatever. Um, and, and in my mind, you know, I'm thinking this is greenwashing, but can you kind of 
Uh, one, tell me if I'm wrong, and two, tell me or tell our listeners what is greenwashing for those um, who may have heard the term and, and kind of wondering how they can identify it for themselves. Yeah, no, so it's definitely greenwashing. H&M is, it's really interesting because there was this report that came out that found like, you know, like 60% of these uh, fast fashion brands that make sustainability claims are greenwashing, like it's misleading or false claims. Um, but in the case of H&M in particular, it was like 94 or 96% of their, so it was like especially bad. Um, and so they're like one of the worst offenders of, of greenwashing. And so, yeah, so what greenwashing is, is is when a brand exaggerates their sustainability efforts in or with the purpose of selling you more product, right? So there's always a there's a sell motive behind it. Um, and so yeah, and so H and M has done this. We actually have a, a new article coming out, um, you know, about them, but it's not like we haven't spoken about it before. You know, we have like a YouTube video on H and M. We have uh, another article on one of their previous collections. But there's there's they, they have like a long history of greenwashing. So there's like so many examples you could look at, but. The clothing recycling one is really interesting, actually, because part of H&M's strategy and the way that they execute their greenwashing, and this is actually true for, this is something that I dug into recently that I thought was really interesting, is part of the reason fast fashion is growing in 2022 is actually, um, it's actually because it's hold on, like, our current systems of social media. So the, with by leveraging influencers, that's part of the reason that fast fashion is still growing, and it's because they're so, um, they're so in that. You know, like, you look at, like, look at, like, the top you know, fashion influencers um, in for like men or women, right? Different. And you'll see like, you know, they're ta them tagging like Zara, H&M, you know, Shein, um, et cetera. And they're, you know, they're being paid good money for these collaborations. And this is part of the way that these brands are still building our trust, basically, right? Because like, it's, it's pretty well known now that fast fashion isn't sustainable. Like, I think a lot of people know that. But you know, they're people who they trust are still representing it. So influencers are honestly like one of the ways that fast fashion there is one of the reasons that it's still big today. Um, and so basically, but yeah, so basically the with the with the HMs back to HMs recycling program though. So that's part of the way they've made this successful is by partnering, you know, with like Macy Williams, um, for example, and you know, having her promote their recycling program for them. Um, and that's you know, this is something that they love to do is like partner with celebrities and influencers. Um, and it really gives them like a better, they look better. But at the end of the day, it's like their, their whole loot machine thing. It's like, there's so many questions with that, right? First of all, it's like, how, like, it's like, what is the rate of recycling that that machine is able to do? How many of them are there, right? Like where, because they make it like, it's like this world changing thing that like these clothes are going to be upcycled, you know, and they, they did this as soon as they had like their first machine. But what they weren't telling you is like, this isn't, this isn't something they're doing mass scale yet, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and also it, it takes a while, like for that machine to, to recycle one garment, it's not, you know, it's not like a quick process like it suggests. Um, and so, but like there's, there's, there's like layers of problems with that. So let's just dig into, so like, first of all, the, the biggest problem with H&M is that they have no intention of slowing down. So H&M, like you, there's articles that confirm this where they, like by 2030, they want to double their sales. You got to think about that. Like H&M is a, one of the biggest fast fashion brands. They sell like, I don't remember how many... It's over a yeah, it's over a billion pieces a year. I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm trying to think of like the current number, but and they want to double that. So they don't like rather than like thinking of like let's slow down, let's be more sustainable. They want to double that by 2030, which is insane. And then they're also claiming at the same time that they're going to like be more sustainable. So their their goals are completely contradictory. Um, and their and the loot machine is and honestly, this is what people need to be cautious of is the loot machine and the recycling program or how they justify all of this, right? Like that's really what those are, is those are greenwashing mechanisms that make you still feel good about shopping at H&M and suggest that they're not wasting. 
but nothing could be further from the truth, right? Because like the thing is, like with the loop machine and stuff, it, it you get this picture of circularity in your head, but in reality, all their clothes are not being recycled. It's like a fraction, like it's not even close. And that's what that's the danger of the loop machine is that it suggests that like you know from it suggests this closed loop process at H and M that doesn't actually exist. And and so and 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 at the end of the day, like you know, more than half of fast fashion ends up in the trash in less than a year. So it's like yeah. So basically, they're still just generating tons of waste and trying to justify it with their like quote unquote sustainability programs. And really, I mean, H and M is is one example. I mean, or the fashion industry, I guess you could say, is one example of um, how recycling is often used to excuse or even encourage further consumption. Right? I mean. People think, oh, well, if I if I recycle it, whether it's um, the clothes that I wear or the plastic straw that I use or, or whatever, you know, object is that I'm consuming, um, then I'm OK. But really, the, the, the solution is to consume less. I mean, reduce, reuse, recycle. Recycle is the third one. You should really be doing the first two first. <laughs> and I think a lot of times people get so fixated on the recycle because it's the easiest one and they can still keep living their lives the same. Um, but they need to start, like you said, thinking about, okay, is this actually getting recycled or is it just kind of justifying me, you know, continuing this out of control spiral of consumption? <laughs> no, actually, yeah, that's actually a great example. I just love that you brought that up. Have you talked about like plastic recycling before on your podcast? Yeah, we have, but okay. feel free I, to. <laughs> well, no, I was just going to, I don't need to retalk. I was just going to say that honestly, that's a great kind of analogy for H&M like that's basically what they are right they're the yeah. they're the plastic recycling where they've scammed us into believing that it's sustainable and that if you put it in the recycling bin like it has a sustainable life and it's going to get recycled when like that's not true with plastic right like it's all a, it's all a big scam essentially and so like and that's that's basically what H&M is and so in reality like we don't need to recycle H&M we need to stop buying H&M um and that's like yeah so it's a really like it's very similar to plastic honestly yeah, yeah. Actually, our, our two episodes ago was was all about plastic. So if people want to learn more about that, um, feel free to listen. But but yeah, I, I think the, the analogy is the same, whether it's like you said, plastic or clothes. Um, the, the key is going to be really just um, using less, not finding ways to, you know, quote unquote, recycle. Um, I mean, electronics recycling is another huge issue we could go into, but um, <laughs> we, we'll, we'll move on uh, while we're talking about fashion. Um, so, so we've talked a lot about greenwashing and companies that aren't doing things right, but what makes a brand sustainable? What are things that consumers can look for um, and know that they're actually supporting a company, you know, that is doing good things and trying to make the world better and not, you know, double their sales in eight years? <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. So our criteria for research when we look at brands is really into three pillars. So and it's really specific to fashion. So we look for like transparency, uh, fair labor and sustainably made. And so it kind of encompasses like people in the planet and it's really in depth. So our brand ratings on our website are really just a snapshot. It's like a summary because we don't um, want to burden our users with like all the information. <laughs> but um, but basically what we're looking for there and the reason it's specific to fashion is, you know, fashion has a history of exploitation. So that's why transparency is a key pillar is we, you know, we have to ask brands to do better about sharing like how and where their clothes are made. Um, and then because when that happens, the whole industry moves away from, you know, what was happening in the past, which was where, you know, people had no idea where their clothes are being made and people were so many people were being exploited in the process. And, you know, and then the rivers like where the clothes are being made were just being poisoned. And so like, yeah, so that's why transparency is like this key pillar. 
Um, and then we look for sustainably made uh, as well, which is like, it's it, it, honestly, it's like, it's, it's everything you could kind of imagine that a brand could be doing, right? So everything from like CO2, water waste, like do they measure, do they have plans and goals for reducing those things um, to like, do they have circularity programs? are more than half their fabric sustainable, all this stuff. And then in, yeah, and then as you can imagine, maker well-being, it's like wages are the biggest piece of that puzzle um, because that's, you know, that's where garment workers have been getting the shortest end of the stick is just not being paid fairly for their work. And so, you know, estimates were like 2% uh, of clothing makers make a livable wage. And I think that's higher now because, but, you know, I would say it's 5% max. It's somewhere between there, right? The 2% measure is just a, a couple years old, but but still, like most companies, you know, there's no fast fashion company that pays livable wages, like doesn't exist. Um, and so, yeah, so these are kind of things that we look for. Um, and so I would say it's pretty complicated in fashion. So I would say like for users, I would really recommend finding a source that you trust. So like, you know, like it could like such as EcoStyles, but it doesn't have to be right. Like, but something like that where, you know, they're doing the research and you can just like use their directory, like, you know, vetted brands. Um, that's obviously gonna be the easiest way. If you wanna look for things yourself, um, it is it is hard because it's pretty complicated and there's not like, unfortunately, there's not like just one thing you can find. Like, for example, if a brand is a B Corps, you know, it means they're a social enterprise. Um, but, it, you know, we've passed and failed B Corps through our research. So it's like, I wouldn't say that's like the end all be all or that that's when for fashion that like, if you, you know, but it's better than if you're just looking for one thing, like it could be a starting point, I would say. Um, other things would be like fair trade, right? If you see that a brand is fair trade certified, um, that's a good signal. You know, uh, we have a lot of the brands we work with use fair trade certified factories, you know, like, like Patagonia does, um, like known supply, um, et cetera. Um, and then other than that, there's tons of environmental certifications you can, you can look for that help to ensure like things like the fabrics were made more sustainably, um, like GOTS being a big one for like, it, I think one misconception about GOTS is like, it's, um, I think maybe people assume it verifies just that the cotton is organic, but that's not, it's, it actually does a lot more than that. And so it's like, if, if, yeah, so if it's like GOTS certified organic cotton, it also means that, you know, the cotton was sourced sustainably essentially. And so, yeah, so there's kind of, those are just kind of some things you can look for, um, you know, if you want to kind of do your own research. Okay. Yeah. It can be so overwhelming as a consumer and not just in fashion, but in every aspect of your life to try to um, figure out. So, so having companies, like yours or individuals who, you know, take the time to do the research or kind of dig into um, and translate some of what you're looking at because it can get, you know, a lot of times I think they intentionally complicate things that you don't know what you're looking at and then you just give up and say, oh, well, I guess they're they're fine, you know, they have this or whatever. But um, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's very helpful for folks. And then um, obviously, you know, <laughs> You can always uh, buy used, as we've said, and, and kind of avoid all that and know that what you're getting has already been in the system and you're not contributing anything new, at least. So, um, so okay, so we kind of talked about uh, how individuals can make conscious choices when it comes to fashion. Um, uh, so, so something that something else that we had talked about was um, your thoughts on fast fashion eco collections. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's a great, that's a great question as well. Um, it's, you know, it's interesting. Cause like, so my general thought is this, and it's like, I know there's, it's an interesting question because if we think about like perfectionism, right. And we think of like, you know, trying to make a step that's incrementally better, um, you know, and not necessarily perfect. I think that's where ego collections can get a lot of people um, in terms of like, it feels like that, like, right. Maybe it feels like an imperfect step. 
But and, and maybe it could be to some people, but I would I would argue that it's not because like the main so the main reason we don't even like look at ego collections is because it's a fraction of what a brand does, you know, and it's never it's never the majority of what they do. Right. Sorry, um, can you can you break down real quick what is an eco collection? Is it kind of like um like a line that says, Oh, this is all made of water bottles or or something like that? Is is that Yeah, no, so of course, of course. Yeah. So an ego collection is like when a brand that's not focused on sustainability or not what we would consider to be a sustainable brand drops like a, a collection that is supposed to be focused on sustainability. Okay. And it's usually kind of like I was mentioning, it's usually a fraction of what they do overall. Um, yeah. it, it varies so much by brand, but like H&M, so examples, this would be like Zara has like Join Life, right? H&M has their Conscious line, um, you know, uh, maybe like a brand like Madewell will come out with like just uh, like a jean collection or something that's uh, supposed to be more sustainable, right? And, and and these are all things that brands do, but it's, yeah. And so it's like, if you buy that product, maybe it's better environmentally than the rest of their products. Um and, and that makes sense. But like I we take a pretty strong stance against ego collections because at the end of the day, you're still supporting that brand. Right. Mm-hmm. And and kind of as I mentioned, these brands are like extremely wealthy. And it's just like what we find is that like, you know, we we, we would rather just not give our dollar like because you're essentially like when when buying new and buying from an ethical and sustainable brand instead, you're voting with your wallet. Mm-hmm. And so like, right, you're voting with your wallet, you know, for companies you believe in and, and these brands we don't believe in. Like even if so, even if they have, even if they're taking these incremental steps, um, kind of like I said, at the end of the day, you're still supporting H and M, etc. And yeah, and and overall, it's like a fraction of what they do. Whereas in comparison, like the brands that we're certifying, we're looking at everything they do. It's like what does the whole brand do, um, not just like their side project. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of our, our our stance on it, which is like pretty black and white. But at the same time, it's um, we kind of really feel like that's that's what's needed. Um, because I think it, what's ego collections fall into the space where it can actually be part of a greenwashing tactic, right? It can be, it can be part of a thing where brands like, cause you gotta think about it from their perspective, they might just be thinking like, oh, if we do 10% of our clothes this way, maybe that's enough for people to trust us. And then maybe we don't have to do more than 10%. So mm-hmm. like, that's the thing is like, it's not necessarily, um, a great commitment from that brand. And it's not like a reason that I would trust a brand personally. And that's, that's, yeah, that's why we don't really support it. Yeah, and like you said, reward the ones that are doing the right thing and taking the time to, um, you know, pay people living wage or grow things organically or just do it a little slower, but but you know, do it the right way, make it quality, quality product. Um, yeah. Well, is there anything that we haven't touched on um, that you wanted to talk about, or maybe anything that I, you know, skipped over that you want to elaborate on? Yeah, yeah. So some things that brands are doing really well um yeah obviously we're really inspired by you know the brands that we certify because what we're what we really want to do with our directory is like help people support you know the best brands on the planet and so we're really inspired by like the work that they do and they, they do all kinds of great things so kind of like i mentioned living living wages right and and part of the reason the fashion's so complicated isn't it's also just because there aren't standards like good standards and that's that is like not necessarily anybody's fault it's right it's like because certifications cost money um, and so we find like a wide range of what brands are doing. And so like, kind of like I mentioned, we have brands like, like known supply that, um, so really, yeah, so really cool things they do. So they're fair trade certified, right? So, so, you know, their, their workers are paid fairly, but then also like they do something really cool where they let you meet the person who made your clothes. So like if you buy, um, like we had some hats made that say eco stylist from them and it's like, there's a tag in the inside and it, it tells you who made it and you can, 
either like scan the QR code or you can like go on the website and you can like learn about that person and you can see like where their where the factory is um, and you can even send them like a note of thank you um, on their website. And that's just like a level of transparency that most brands don't have, right? Like most brands can't tell you the person that made your t-shirt or your hat. Um, so like that's a really, they're doing really cool things for transparency. Um, and then, but like, yeah, but for living wages, because not all brands have do it by certifications. There's, there's other brands that really inspire us. Like, uh, like Adelante shoe company is a brand that pays living wages in Guatemala. And they, they're actually, uh, they were actually my inspiration for getting into this space. I, I learned about their brand about four plus years ago. Uh, didn't really know a lot about ethical and sustainable fashion before that. Um, and I just was like really kind of blown away by what they were doing. Like I didn't know brands, clothing brands did this. Like because they were telling me about how they, you know, they pay living wages, and they were like, "Yeah, there was no metric that was good enough for us." And at the time, like, you know, they didn't even fair trade wasn't even like wasn't good enough for what they were trying to do. So they were like, "We're going to measure what a living wage is, a true living wage in Guatemala, and we're going to pay that." Uh, and they published these impact reports that that you know share like what they pay and and the impact that has on their workers' lives. And it's like, yeah, so it's like stuff like that where brands are kind of doing their own thing and 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 really being leaders and inspiration for what, you know, the fashion industry could be. Uh, and then, you know, on the environmental side, there's, I don't know, there's all kinds of cool things that brands are doing. Like, um, like, like a thousand, like thousand fell is a sneaker brand that we recently certified. And I think their whole business model is really cool because it's like, it's designed to keep shoes out of the trash, you know? So, um, so they designed these really, they designed like really cool sneakers that, you know, let's say their sneakers are like a hundred bucks and you pay like a $20 deposit when you buy them. So you pay like 120, you get the sneakers um, like in a year they wear out or whatever, and you send them back to be recycled and they give you that $20 credit back, right? Cause they were just holding that as a recycling, uh, to, you know, to encourage you. Cause if they don't, I think that it makes a lot of sense because they didn't do a credit. You might be less inclined to send it back, right? Maybe it wouldn't feel worth it or something, but it kind of encourages you to send it back. And then, um, yeah. And then you get that credit and then you can buy another pair. And so, you know, so yeah, that business model is designed to like keep the shoes out of the trash and that like, that's really cool. Um, you know, nudie jeans, uh, nudie jeans always is a really high bar for sustainability. We've always like really liked the work that they do, but you know, their free repairs program is, is obviously a really cool initiative, um, that they do and where they'll like repair their jeans in store. Um, and that, yeah, and, and it is somewhat limited to like, you kind of need to be near a nudie jeans store to try and take advantage of that. And, and obviously they're, they're a small brand, but growing, but you know, regardless, they'll send you a free repair kit in the mail and, and they, they also like have programs where they'll like repair their jeans and resell them. So they're really doing a lot too to keep their jeans like out of the trash, keep them in use. Mm-hmm. Um, and the really cool thing about their free repairs too is like I, I visited their store and you'll find people who like have had their jeans repaired more than once and they always do it for free. There's not like a limit on how many times you can have your jeans repaired. Yeah. So you, yeah, you'd see people who owned jeans for like, yeah, like eight years or something and they had them repaired like two or three times in that process. Um, and so like, yeah, so brands like that I think are really inspiring to us because they're just, they're really thinking about their impact. And, and you can tell like by the types of actions they're taking that they mean it, you know, like this isn't just like a program so they can sell more. It's, you know, it's a program that really considers uh, their, their impact. It's so funny that today these programs are considered like a novelty, but you know, 50, a hundred years ago, this was like the norm, right? You buy something and it, if it gets a tear or breaks down, you fix it and then you just keep using it. And today when companies do something like this, it's like, wow, you got that. You got your jeans repaired. And it's <laughs> it's just crazy to me how quickly I guess our society has kind of um, gone disposable and gone, uh, you know, the opposite direction when um, 
we used to we used to use things forever and things had character and they lasted and it wasn't a thought you know of like how can we make this breakdown quicker so we can sell another one <laughs> um no totally right yeah yeah but anyways um i digress um, yeah, so, so those are some great examples, and we'll um, link to those in the show notes if anybody's interested in learning more um, about about those companies and the great work that they're doing. Um, and I think you've given us a lot of good examples um, to kind of use as a template when we're looking at other brands or if we're you know trying to figure out whether to buy something. Um, if you need it, only buy it if you need it. That's, that's always the key, right? Um, don't just buy it because it's cool. I mean, I, I'm still tempted all the time. And, and I think we all struggle with that, especially growing up in a capitalist society. But um, I think we've got to really unlearn that and, and train ourselves to just slow down, like you said, and be more deliberate in what we buy um, and just buy less. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay, so I guess... Um, did you have any other resources or anything else you wanted to share with our listeners um you know that that maybe they could look into or or research if they want to do more research they can um take a look at yeah resources i would say i mean what's interesting about like having a more like yeah like having a more sustainable closet it really comes down to just like starting somewhere right like starting with like trying to make a sustainable choice more sustainable choice somewhere doesn't like you don't do everything uh, you don't need like all your clothes to be from sustainable brands, for example, if you were buying new, right? It's literally just like comes down to like one choice. It's like what, um, you know, it's like you, you're you looking for something new, like in the next couple of months, maybe you want, and you're like, okay, I'm going to go try to thrift that, right? Or like, or like there's some pieces that you want to buy new. So you're like, okay, let me, let me buy from some sustainable brands instead, right? Um, and that's, yeah. And it's like literally just, or, you know, maybe, or maybe you, you don't even, you don't need to buy clothes. You don't want to buy clothes right now, but maybe you want to like sign a petition or, or help remake with something they're doing. Um, so like, yeah, there's just so many ways to get involved. And I think that when it comes down to resources, I mean, yeah, it's like if you, for, I mean, there's tons of, I think there's so many resources for thrifting right now, right? Like there's so many, uh, whether we want to thrift online, right? There's like obviously big options like thread up or, or you want to go to thrift stores in person. Um, you know, there's, yeah, there's even like uh, there's if you want to get really into it, there's podcasts all about thrifting, like Preloved podcast, where uh, that's their entire focus. Uh, and you know, and then when it comes to buying new, it's like obviously for a resource, I yeah, I'd recommend like our brand directory, like check that out, uh, see if you can find you know good brands that you like there. Uh, when it comes to like getting rid of your old clothes, that's an interesting one. We have an article that that I'll share uh, that's like a guide for for how to kind of navigate through that decision and different resources because um, there's a lot, and it's like sometimes some of it you might not think of, right? Like it may be better to sell your clothes, for example, than to give them to Goodwill, right? Um, because to, in order to make it more likely that somebody uses that piece, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and keeping it out of the trash ultimately. So, so yeah, we put together a resource that tries to help people and with that. And, you know, it's at the end of the day, like you do have to check locally, right? Because the thing, the one thing about that is like, there's always going to be local resources, right? So it's kind of hard. Like when you look at the U.S. as a whole, for example, like, yeah, there's going to be resources that are specific and local, but there's also some national resources that are worth considering. Um, and uh, yeah, so I would say those would be some resources. And then on the advocacy side, like if people want to get involved there, I would say check out Remake um, for sure. And and yeah, and see if you want to, if you're interested in anything they're doing or want to help out. Okay, great. And I'll add um, that the if you're into documentaries, there's uh, the documentary, The True Cost, which I think is available on Amazon. And that kind of breaks down fast fashion and the consequences of that and 
it you know highlights some of the stories of the people involved in in the process um and um you mentioned patagonia and the the, the founders of patagonia have written a couple of books that were pr pretty um interesting and talks about their process as well if people want to um kind of see the behind the scenes of a, of a company <laughs> um that's doing some of this work so um okay yeah oh. as far it was well, as far as films no that's a great point yeah it's interesting because the true cost is like it's obviously you know several years old now, but I recently watched it and I still found it to be really relevant. Like so, yeah, it's definitely still like a great film in the space. I will say there's some other there's some other resources that are interesting that have come up. Um, like for short films, remake has some short films uh, that are really interesting. Most of them are like ten minutes that shed light on interesting aspects of from just behind the scenes. You know, seeing like garment worker conditions um, all over the world. You know to uh to like they have one on made in america that was really fascinating because that's a there's a whole misconception there that made in america is like automatically ethical and and that's not true um and so their their documentary really exposed that um especially when it comes to fashion and uh some of those loopholes have been closed recently a lot thanks obviously thanks to advocacy work that remake and others have been doing which is awesome but um but basically, yeah, there were still loopholes where people weren't being paid fairly in the U.S. And so, yeah, so I would say, like, their short films are great. And then also, um, you know, on the Patriot Act, the episode on fast fashion uh, by Hassan Minaj was, like, pretty popular. And I think uh, definitely helped build awareness for just the problems with fast fashion. Uh, so that I would recommend checking that out as well. Okay, great. Yeah, and again, we'll have the links to this um, in the show notes if you are listening, driving, or walking, and you can't um, stop to search right now. Um, well, I guess uh, we'll go ahead and kind of jump into our green life hack section. And this is the part of the show where we share a, um, a, a product or an idea or just, you know, a, a action you can take to kind of live more sustainably and, and um, try to, you know, reduce your impact a little at a time. Um, so, Garrick, what is your green life hack for us? Yeah, I would say my green life hack would be... Sure. <laughs> Is it okay if I repeat what I said earlier and just like, yeah. and just edit that? Okay. Because yeah. I realized like I kind of gave that, a, I was like, that's, I kind of like did that the wrong moment. Um, okay. So my green life hack would be, my green life hack would be to, when it comes to fashion, would be to, to push back against eco-perfectionism, right? So mm -hmm. I think, because that's a, that's the thing we see a lot in the space where, um, you know, and I think, honestly, I think veganism or some things that happen in the vegan movement can be a great analogy for that, right? Because I think what we see sometimes is you'll see people, some people in the communities, in the spaces who will argue that it's like all or nothing, 100%, you know? And that can, and that's, I mean, on a personal level, like if that works for you, great. But if we're talking about like mass appeal and we're talking about like, you know, something, a movement growing and, and everybody, and more and more people doing it, right? Or making it welcoming for people, that's not realistic, right? Like it's not about 100%. It's about, you know, it's like, um, you know, it's like, it's funny, like it, it, vegetarians sometimes get made fun of for being like vegetarians 95% of the time. And I actually <laughs> like can't disagree more strongly with that. Like, like you should not shame people because the thing is like, you gotta think of like, if you were, if you became vegetarian for environmental reasons and like 95% of the time you don't eat meat, like that's awesome. Like think about the impact of that. Right. So like, I think like, so, okay. So back to this, back to the perfection of things. So I'm just saying, so I think my, my one tip would be like, would be like, yeah, forget all, like don't shame people. Like, on, you know what I mean? Like, like don't worry about 100%, like all, you know what I mean? It's like, just do what you can. So I would say just like, yeah, let all that go. Like just do do what you can in the space. And and when it comes to your closet, um, I would say that just comes down to considering 
you know, whatever decisions you have coming up, just try to make those decisions more sustainably. So, you know, say, so like, so for an example journey, you know, maybe, maybe you really want something new because you saw it on Instagram and it's like trendy, but then you look in your closet and you were like, you know what, I actually don't need anything. I can just wear what I have. Right. You just like, you just made a free, more sustainable decision. Um, but you know, and maybe, maybe if you need something for an upcoming event, maybe you can thrift it, maybe you can swap it. Um, if you're looking to buy something new, you know, you want to invest in a high quality piece. Um, then I would say, you know, try to try to buy that piece from a more sustainable and ethical brand. Right. Um, you could use our directory, for example, to, to find a good replacement there. Um, but yeah, so just whatever decision is just, um, just try to make that one decision, you know, don't, don't worry about having like a hundred percent sustainable closet, uh, overnight. I mean, that doesn't really exist anyway. So, right. It's just all about steps that take you in the right direction. No, I love that because I think we all suffer from, um, like you said, trying to be perfectionist and thinking that if we don't do everything 100% all the time, then we failed and we may as well give up and not try. And I think that's honestly what keeps a lot of people from trying to live more sustainably because they feel judged or they feel like um, people will judge them if they make one little misstep. Um, and the truth is none of us are doing it perfectly all the time. I'm still, you know having to buy things that are packaged sometimes, or, um, you know, I'm not a vegetarian, but I do try to eat less meat. And and I have to, you know, just accept that I'm doing the best I can right now in this part of my life. And, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think I've heard a phrase, um, it's better for 50 to 80% of the population to be low waste than for one person to be zero waste all the time. So like everybody does a little, not one person doing everything, what's gonna make more of a difference? Um, that's a great mindset to have. So <laughs> thank you for that reminder. <laughs> Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. And if, if if you can be, if you are that hundred percent person, like that's awesome. But just, yeah, we just want to be mindful that we're, we're welcoming people and we're not expecting that of them. Right. Cause I think at the end of the day, I think we're, if we're people lose sight of is like, we're not like we, and I want to say it's like, we are not responsible for these problems as individuals. Right. Like essentially, I mean, the, at least not to the extent like brands are responsible for, you know, companies are responsible for the majority of, you know, the environmental destruction and, and all of the all of these impacts and, and like they're the ones not paying people fairly right and so at the end of the day like i, I think it's important to re remind ourselves of that of like like as individuals we're not we, like we didn't create these problems um and so when we take pot but when we take positive action like when we do things we can we're obviously um kind of like empowering ourselves right like we're we're doing what we can because we believe in something and so like whatever that is, like, those are, those are good things we're doing. And I think we have to give ourselves more credit, you know, like, don't be too hard on yourself. Like if you're, if you're, you know, taking action, like you're kind of like, you're kind of leading, right. You're kind of a leader in sustainability as an individual, just for, just for, just for being radical, like living a more sustainable lifestyle, trying to do what you can. Um, and so just like remind yourself of that and like, cause it does matter, right. Like, I think that's the other thing we see is people will think like, Oh, it's, you know, I'm just one person. Um, but like, you definitely have power and impact as one person. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot you can do because like our decisions, we're seeing that, right? Like our decisions, like people are the reason that brands care more. Like brands don't care more about sustainability, right? At least like, sure, some brands, uh, let, me, let me be clear about that. Some brands started as sustainable because they really believed in it. But I mean, big brands, when we see big brands even like attempt, like fast fashion brands, for example, it's not because they cared, it's because you cared. Like you, like people are the reason that these brands are starting to shift. And, and so we just got to remember that we have that power. And I'll just end that with, um, there's a really good quote I like from Ursula de Castro, one of the co-founders of Fashion Revolution, where where she said that, uh, you know, every time a brand, a big brand hears from you, they assume that you represent 10,000 people because, and they, they had some, there was some kind of like 
study or something they base that on. But basically what they realize is like when a person reaches out to them and asks them like, hey, I wish you were more sustainable or whatever, or I wish you paid living wages, like whatever it is, you know, or like they want to know more about where the clothes are made. Um, the brands know that there's, they basically, they tried to come up with some kind of metric, but they know that there's like basically 10,000 other people who feel that way and just didn't reach out because most people don't, those people aren't going to take that step. Um, but I think it's a great reminder of like the power that we have as individuals. Um, and so, yeah, just, just, you have that power. So don't waste it. Yeah. That's great reminder folks, um, to use your, your voice and your dollars to influence these companies. <laughs> Um, well, my green life hack isn't quite as um, as uh, inspirational, but uh, it's hopefully practical and easy enough to implement if um, if, if it helps you. Um, mine is just to unsubscribe from the promotional emails that you get from all of these companies, whether they're they're fashion companies or um, stores or credit card companies or whoever that sends you these promo emails, sales um, or deals or whatever, um, either unsubscribe or have an email just for that and only look at it when you need something specific. Um, because hopefully, you know, like I've done this over the years and, and I find that I buy less that way. If I don't see it, if I don't go in the stores, then I'm not constantly bombarded with these messages and tempted to spend money on things I don't need and consume and, and things like that. So um, in the you know vein of, of the, the topic today, um, just consume less by, you know, hiding from temptation in that way if you can. Um, so uh, again, thank you so much for being on, Garrick. And um, before we go, can you tell our listeners where they can find you and EcoStylist online? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So our website is just eco-stylist.com. Uh, and you can find us there, or you can find us on Instagram. Our handle is at your EcoStylist altogether. Okay. And um, you can find me on uh, this show, Sustainably Geeky, um, occasionally on Marginally Geeky, our sister show, and then um, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Het's Gonna Be Me. Um, you can also find the show itself on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, um, also on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. So if you are not a subscriber, please do subscribe on your podcast of choice um, and um, share us, rate us, Give us five stars. Give us a thumbs up. However you want to show us some love, um, we'd appreciate it. If you have ideas for future topics or guests, um, send them our way. Um, and thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it and have a great rest of your day. This has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network. 